HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, March 26th. This is the 12th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Now, today our theme is job recruitment. And before I introduce my special guest, I'm going to do my PR tip. Then later we will have my speed round questions, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. So as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I will tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. Okay, today's tip is to know what's out there about your restaurant and track reviews. It came up last week on my show with Jeff Allen that he considers Yelp reviews a part of social media and important to monitor. I certainly agree that Yelp is a big part of online dining information, as when you do a Google search on a restaurant, one of the top sites that comes up usually is Yelp. And although those quote-unquote that Yelp may not always be the most sophisticated diners, they're enthusiastic diners who take the time to review restaurants and share their opinion, so they are significant. I know that there are a lot of chef owners out there who don't like to read online reviews and critique, and I get that, as if I was in their shoes, I probably wouldn't want to read them myself, as criticism can be hard to swallow. But I do think it's important to know what's out there. So I recommend having someone on your team read online reviews, including Yelp, menu pages, and OpenTable, and report to your staff any noteworthy comments. I like what Jeff said last week about reading reviews and staff meetings, too. It's a good way to get your team motivated and improve from any negative feedback. So that's my tip. Track your your reviews. Okay, I'm excited about my guest today. It is Michael Hewitt. He is the Chief Recruiting Officer at the Chef Agency, a hospitality recruitment and placement agency, an affiliate of Stephen Kamali Hospitality. 
Michael has over 12 years of experience in various aspects of the hospitality industry, ranging from operations, brand and concept development, human resources, recruiting, and consulting. He managed both of Manhattan's Houston's restaurants, where he developed the company's international recruitment program. Michael brings to the table a broad knowledge spanning the spectrum of hospitality platforms, from fine dining to fast casual, national brands to single unit operations, as well as a deep understanding of operator needs as they relate to talent sourcing. His approach to recruiting focuses on encompassing both the employee, employer's company culture and the specific skill set of the candidate. Michael holds a business degree from Lehigh University and a postgraduate degree in hotel and restaurant management from the École Hôtelière de Lausanne in Switzerland. I hope I said that correctly. That was good. That was good. <laughs> good. Okay. Well, I'm done. I'm done with your bio now. So wow. welcome. Wow. You make me sound so good. Well, there's a reason you've accomplished a lot here. So I was curious with with your background, with after hotel and restaurant management, how you then got into job recruitment and you landed at Houston's Restaurants. So can you tell me a little how that happened? Sure. I um, I got recruited by Houston's uh, from Switzerland to come to the United States, to, to New York. So that was my entry into America. And uh, from there... Oh, cool. Yeah, it was great. I, um, Wait, so where did you grow up? In Spain. Born and raised in Spain. I didn't know that. Surprise, surprise. You don't have a <laughs> Spanish accent. <laughs> I don't. I don't, yeah. The Spanish uh, accent is pretty thick, but not, not for me. So What part of Spain? Uh, Madrid and Barcelona. A mix. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay, so moving moving ahead then. So that yeah. brought you to New York. Exactly. Then I came to New York. I was with Houston's for a couple of years, and uh, then I moved uh, my way up the, the chain, per se. And uh, you know, then I ended up having my own restaurant uh, here in Williamsburg, pretty close here, right around the corner. What was your restaurant? It was uh, Mercat Negre. It was a Spanish tapas restaurant. Right very on, nice. Uh, yeah. well, and right in uh, the emerging Williamsburg about 2000, yeah, 2007, 2008, around that time. Um, yeah, and then got into the, uh, you know, after the ownership, I got into human resources, which was really my love um, of the business, the connecting dots part, the, the people part. And from there, it was all about great timing, um, joining Stephen Kamali in his, uh, with his vision of the chef agency. So how did you meet Stephen? Interestingly enough, I met him through um, his longtime associate, Karma, Karma McDermott, who uh, showed me um, some spaces down in the Lower East Side when I was still in my restaurateur phase. And uh, so, you know, we kept in touch and it was, you know, perfect timing. Um, like a lot of the connections we make in this industry, it's about having the right people meet at the right time. And uh, that was a perfect example of that. So when was that? What, what, what year? Uh, 2000, 2002. Yeah, end of 2011, 2012, yeah, around that time. Okay, yeah. and you've you've now been with the chef agency since then. And what what are you doing with with the chef agency? What are we doing? We're um, essentially we're you know connecting dots between uh, operators, employers, and the employees. So anything from a CEO level down to a sommelier or um, R and D executive chef down to a pastry chef, uh, we're able to identify usually on a confidential level that top talent that they're looking for. And whether it's here in New York, down in Florida, California, we're starting to do some international as well. So how how are you doing that? How are you cuz there's two two aspects of it. There's the people looking to hire mm -hmm. and then the people hoping to get hired. 
You knock on a lot of doors, you <laughs> pound the pavement a lot, and um, you better be good with rejection because it happens a lot too. So it's really about um, reaching out and awareness and letting people know that you have this service and you have this value for the employer side. And then reaching out to a lot of top operators in the uh, kitchen, you know, in the front and back of the house, and waiting for that right timing. You know, we reach out to a lot of great operators that are happy where they are, and sure enough, two three months later, maybe they're not so happy, and that's when they come back to us. Uh, the more and more of these uh, operators that we reach, the less hunting we end up doing because we have more and more people coming to us. So it it just fills our rolodex much quicker. Uh, when we have this incredible opportunity, we can react very quickly. And, and have a couple great operators in front of the employers. Right. It came up on my show a couple of weeks ago We were about whether you did front and back of the house, and I thought you did. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say that our, our sweet spot right now is the general manager, executive chef level. I would say we were about 50-50 split. Got it. So what's a, what's a placement you've recently made that you can tell me about? Yeah, some of them are confidential, but I guess uh, I'm pretty proud. There's a couple recent ones. One, specifically Ganzo, a great new ramen uh, restaurant uh, here in Brooklyn. Ganzo. Ganzo, fantastic uh, operation. Small little little joint, but yeah, very happy about that one. It was a tough one. Uh, it's not the norm. We're usually maybe working with bigger restaurant groups, but this is a great restaurant that will actually be on the Michelin Guide next year. Uh, they just got confirmation of that. And um, another one, great one is uh, City Winery. City Winery out in Napa Valley, which is our first uh, Napa placement, which is, again, uh, kind of a fun one for us to do. So, Okay, so when you said Gonzo, I thought you were talking about the restaurant. Is it on Greenwich Ave- Avenue in the West Village? Oh, no, no, no. Gonzo. Okay. G-A-N-S-O. Gonzo. And then when you said City Winery, I was thinking, isn't there a City Winery down yeah. on whatever, Soho yeah, West yeah, area? Okay. Yeah, yeah, down there. <laughs> <laughs> but now they yeah. just, they're starting to branch out, which is great. That's a prototype company that we love to work with, someone that has a great you know, concept that now starts looking at other locations oh, and okay. we can add value to their growth where they maybe don't have that next GM that could turn into a director of operations. We can provide them with that, um, you know, that coverage and as they grow, they can start promoting people from within, which is the key for them. So it is, it's the same city winery. Same city winery, okay. just a beautiful. They took over the opera house in, in, in Napa Valley, and nice. they're opening a stellar place there. And then, of course, we work with some of the bigger restaurant groups uh, that you may have heard of, Star Restaurants or Think Food Group, things like that. Um, I've heard of them. Yeah, maybe a couple. <laughs> um, the Four Seasons, uh, things like that. Uh, another great one that I'm really happy to, to be working with is the Soho House. Uh, great group, a lot of expansion plans here in the United States. So, again, perfect company for us to grow with organically. So, I think the first time I met with Stephen was at the Soho House <laughs> in New York. Really? Yeah. Well, well, we we had just had you know a little meeting to get to know each other, and then I know they I know they have their Miami location. And you said before we started that you are now down in Miami. Yes, we are. Very happy about that. That just happened uh, about a month ago. The Food and Wine Festival down in Miami. We launched our Miami office. We have a great recruiter that joined our team, and she'll be leading the uh, you know the efforts down in Miami. Melissa Lee. Shout out for Melissa Lee. Yes, and, good uh, to know. She, yeah, it's great to have her on our team, and you know, great contacts. She's uh, very well known in the in the industry and in the HR world as well. So um, that's one of the keys for us is to grow with people that have 
you know, the, the background of what they're going to do. You know, they've been restaurateurs, they've been human resource directors, things of that nature. Yeah, well, that sounds good. I've I've been meaning, I've never gone to, what's it, Chacona's in, I think that's the restaurant in Soho House in Miami. Um, next time I go down there, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, their their next one is in Chicago. They're they're going to be opening up their property there, um, and then they'll probably be coming back to New York to do more work here. So, it's definitely uh, up and coming uh, here in the states anyway. Great. So, in these in these placements you've made, about how long have they taken? Are they? I guess it depends. Like maybe one yeah. could be one day you just know the right person, you fit it, or it takes longer. Absolutely. It, it, we've had closings in two to three weeks and we're still working on one for three months right now so it really depends like i said before about the timing you know we could really have the right person all the operators they want the best of the best right now we can provide the best of the best that's available now we can also educate current top operators that are employed about this opportunity and see their interest level so it really depends on a lot of variables um, which can you know can make it a much quicker point and shoot or a much you have to dig a little deeper and get you know a couple months in. And of course, the uh, employer drives the process. So if they're opening a restaurant tomorrow, then yes, we need to pull the trigger quick. If they have a couple months to go on development, it gives us a little bit more leeway to to provide more people in front of them. So. Yes, and with restaurants, it, it's unpredictable. <laughs> Moving target. <laughs> Always is. Okay, great. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. Hi, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Michael Hewitt of the Chef Agency, and we're talking about hospitality job re- recruitment. Okay, so Michael, I figured we'll go go into my question from last week that I had my guest Jeff Allen ask you. Uh, he He's from Wagstaff Worldwide, and he's an executive director of social media. And so one of the things he wanted to know was what's the number one thing you look for in a candidate and he referred to Danny Meyer who to paraphrase his philosophy is to go with your gut and choose the best person uh, regardless of skill set someone someone you can train and 
yeah, I, I've always believed in that philosophy too. It's like, I think he's saying basically you can't teach a personality, but you can teach a skill set. So Jeff's question was, what, what are you looking for in candidates? I mean, obviously, Danny has a great point there. It's, it's a lot of it is about the, you know, the personality and, and the cultural fit, you know, within a company and the rest can be trained. So I agree with Danny, of course. Uh, I, I feel that um, I look for passion. They need to have passion for something. You know, um, if they're a sommelier, they better have passion for wine. If, <laughs> if they're a manager, they better have passion for hospitality. If um, they're a chef, they better have passion for sourcing the best ingredient and presenting it in the best way. So when, when we're interviewing, clearly, we look at skill set for a little bit, but we really want to uh, dig in a little bit deeper on what, what they want for their future, what their next career path is, before we even tell them what we have on the table. Um, so that allows us to really understand what their passion is, and then we work backwards. Then we figure out what do we have currently that would make sense for this candidate versus the salesman pitch of letting them know what we have and mm-hmm. mentally convincing them that that's the best thing for them. So That's smart. That yeah. tends to yield a, a happier candidate and someone that goes through the process you know, much more committed. Um, so, yeah, that's really uh, the passion is really the key for us along with skill set. That makes sense. And do you, when you're conducting interviews, are they in person or are they, is it mixed? It's a mixed, mixed bag. I would say mostly phone interviews. Uh, we have done Skype interviews, obviously, uh, for cultural fit purposes. We always want to see who we're dealing with as well. And, um, and from time from time to time, we'll do the personal ones. Um, I've also been blessed uh, by going to a lot of tastings. So it's great when I'm actually there at a tasting for one of my candidates, for a chef candidate. A lot of operators are okay with that. Uh, that's good. And uh, depending on how the tasting goes, it's a learning experience for all the parties. And um, if it, it doesn't go as well, then the operator and I can discuss you know, what red flags he or she saw that we could then work on. So collaborative effort. Yeah, well, that's great. And with his other question he wanted to know was, we were talking about social media. So he was... Regarding, I guess, well, it could be front or back of the house, but are you looking now for social media skills and interest with when you're hiring for any positions? Because so for the employees themselves to have for, Yeah, for media? the people you're hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, well, social media is, obviously, it's a new thing and it's, it's big and it keeps growing. But it seems, even from my experience, that uh, a restaurant is sort of now assigning someone on their staff to assist with the social media mm. and someone who's passionate about it, who will tweet and post pictures. So are you looking for that? Is that a part of the interview? <laughs> that is, I would say it's a plus, not a requirement. Uh, clearly, you know, it would be good that they're savvy and that they can actually tweet and, um, and you know, and use social media and mm-hmm. Facebook, et cetera, to promote it. So anything that, that promotes the, the restaurant um, or the service or anything that they're doing, with the wine program, et cetera, is obviously going to be good for the business. So um, anything that makes uh, interaction with guests, vendors, food suppliers, et cetera, more seamless, I'm a big fan of. And, you know, and that's one of the big pluses when we're looking at people. But sometimes it's not a requirement. I would say more front of the house than back. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, <laughs> in my opinion. And so what advice uh, do you have for hiring within the hospitality industry? What would you give to someone, you know, looking to hire that you may not? You know, what are your what are your tricks? <laughs> tricks is well, it's really about listening to the candidate and um, and really looking. I would say look at at their history. 
you know, and understand their history. That when you understand a candidate's history, it's easy for you to foresee their future, a little bit of where they're going. Um, longevity, you know, brand loyalty. Have they been jumping around? Um, if there's a reason why, then inquire. Sometimes it's okay if, if they've bounced you know two or three times. Uh, if they have a good story behind it and it makes sense, mm -hmm. then it's not uh, a deal breaker. You can actually present someone like that. But if you understand their past and, and kind of their, their path of where they want to go, I think it helps being able to place that person. You can kind of foresee a little bit of where they could end up in their career. Yeah, I agree with that. So what... I don't know. Are there certain questions you can ask a person to kind of find find out, dig deeper uh, beyond just where did you work? Um, do you go? Do you go back I go to, to the their future. old? But do you go to their old employees mm -hmm. maybe and ask questions? I don't. You know, I'm just thinking. Oh you, yeah, that that is definitely part of the the tricks in our bag. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's basically we need to find some dirt, right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, clearly, you know, human resource directors aren't going to tell you what you really need to know. Uh, legally, they're bound not to. So we're going to find some dirt through potential people that have worked with them before that maybe we know somebody that worked with somebody. And, and that's how you can get the thumbs up or down on mm -hmm. them as an operator or any red flags that maybe came about. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, you can read about the past, uh, but you also want to find out more about the future and what their goals are. Um, if you see any, you know, short stints or anything or any major change in career path, you know, totally different direction, let's say, then you want to inquire as to why, you know, how that happened. Was it a personal issue? Was it, you know, just a new passion? So the more you understand their past, the more you can embrace their future, I think. Well said. <laughs> like a poet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. You have to. And I think with chefs and our industry, it's... It's it's common for them to move around in a sense. I think it, with chefs in particular, almost you have to you have to move to move up. I mean, not not with everyone, but do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. It's very nomadic, and at the early stages of a chef's life, you actually do want to see that movement. You want them to add to their repertoire and not just be a one trick pony. You know, mm -hmm. if, if someone's been at X restaurant for you know eight years, uh, in the beginning of their career, career, clearly they know how to make that. But what else have they learned? That what other skills they can bring to the table? Front of the house, maybe a little trickier. Um, you definitely want to see you know anything shorter than two years, a couple of those in a row. Then you you definitely want to start asking questions. So I would say that uh, back of the house, it's okay in the beginning stages. After they get that out of their system, you definitely want to see some four to six year stints maybe two or three of those, and then they're either ready to open up their own place or ready to join a different organization, maybe something a little more stability. I, I see a lot of those trends. So, Got it. So what do you enjoy working, wh why do you enjoy working with hotel and food beverage operators? I would say the fast pace. The fast pace is, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, of that. Um, I like the thought of a perishable request. So something that they ask for that it's uh, it's there now, but three months from now it's gone. So they need X, Y, Z, and this is the window of opportunity. After that, it's gone, and you're on to the next one. So I like the fact that it's ever changing, mm -hmm. um, and you're de you're dealing with different personalities. Clearly, um, you know some people are a little more neurotic than others, and some know what they want and some don't. Uh, that can be tricky, but you have to navigate through that and understand where they're coming from and 
try to understand what they want. Uh, that's really the path of you know zeroing in on the candidates that you want to present to them. Yes. Well, we have similar clientele, so <laughs> I get it. Short attention spans, things like that. So these are, I was going to ask you what the challenges. So these are some of the challenges, too, of working, working with chefs. and Exactly. I would say one of the bigger challenges is actually reaching them. <laughs> yes, I get that one too. <laughs> right. So, you know, even when you submit people and then suddenly, you know, the, the the clock starts ticking and then it's a day, two days, three days, we call that dead time. Um if we don't have feedback, we can't react. Uh they might be loving this person, but they haven't told us. They might be hating this person, but we don't know. Uh once we do, then we can adapt accordingly and uh refocus our, you know, our our search. So, so clearly reaching them for, uh, for feedback and comments speeds up the whole process, and sometimes that can be challenging considering their, their times, their hours, their schedules, etc. Yeah, well, I've found the hours between lunch and dinner seem to be the best time to try and reach my clients. But, and none of them ever seem to be morning people, which is good for me because I'm not a morning person. Uh, I love mornings. That's my most productive hours. From about not six reaching to nine. chefs though, maybe just getting oh, office work done. Exactly, getting getting all everything lined up. Six to nine—that's uh, the power hours for us. Yeah, I'm more like I'll admit this, like 11 p.m. to sometimes 2 a.m. Like I'm up late, but that's my quiet time, and I get work done. And what happens is my clients email me at midnight at one in the morning because that's when they're able to check their email and and. You know, you'd respond. See, you'd see my, my inbox on a Monday, let's say, which is like predominantly the chef's day off. It blows up on Mondays. So, yeah, there's definitely times when you're, you're much more in demand and others where, forget it, you're not going to reach someone on a Friday at, you know, 730. You know. No. I mean, you may, but you you may upset them. Yeah. <laughs> you might hear breaking plates in the background. <laughs> yeah, not the best timing. Okay, great. So we're going to take another break. We're going to come back with my speed round in industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Michael Hewitt. Okay, Michael, it's time for my speed round questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm just going to give you two choices, and you pick one. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? I'm a tapas guy. Small plates. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that. <laughs> now I know that. <laughs> How about tipping or all-inclusive charge? 
tipping. That's been a common answer. Yeah. Communal table or chef's counter? I like both. I would say chef's counter. Me too. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate for dessert. Nice. One page resume or it doesn't matter how long it is? One page resume. The shorter the better. Okay. You're the expert. (laughs) How about Craigslist fan or not a fan? I would say fan. For for what it's worth, I would say fan. It's been around a long time. It's been, you find a couple jewels within the, uh, the junk. Yeah. How about a few more? Okay. Hotels or restaurants? Restaurants. And New York City or Brooklyn or Westchester? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not Westchester. Sorry. Um, I would say Brooklyn. Okay. Awesome. Brooklyn likes to hear that. (laughs) I think people sometimes get afraid they're going to get kicked out of Brooklyn if they answer my question. If I say Westchester, I'd be out of here. Yeah. Yeah. No more. No pizza for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's, we're going to do some industry news this week. A couple articles I have here. Now, the first one was on Gothamist, and the title, NYC Reforms Restaurant Inspection System Following Restaurants Outcry. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about this on my show, how Per Se had their health grade pending, and how it seems inspections are a bit about the fines. So it was big news this week that the Department of Health and the City Council announced restaurants will see a nearly 25 percent reduction in fines associated with inspections and a guest of mine a couple weeks ago andrew ritchie from the nyc hospitality alliance he was quoted in this article that said um, he commends the city for taking action so what do you know they're changing things how do you feel about that (laughs) i think it's great i think it's great it's uh it was a little ridiculous when they came out with this whole uh you know, this whole grading system mm-hmm. and, and enforcing it in such a way where, you know, restaurateurs literally have to get consultants coming in to do mock tests, you know, on a weekly or biweekly basis and having all sorts of drills and, you know, it's a little bit crazy. But I'm glad that they're softening up a little bit on the on the fines themselves. And, you know, it's obviously important to have a clean restaurant mm-hmm. and everything sanitary, but without going overboard. Yes, I agree. And I find they often send their health inspectors at dinner service or lunch service, like not at the best times. And this, they said they're now going to start allowing restaurants to make a request of a consultative uh, inspection penalty free um, and get advice. I think there's a, a little fee for that, but that's a new thing. So they're reacting, which is great. Again, for them to pick per se of all restaurants, mm-hmm. I'm, I've <laughs> toured that kitchen many times, and I would, I think I would lick the floor in that That's, restaurant. I said on, on yeah? the show, I said I, it's one of those kitchens you could eat off the floor, you practically. Could. You could. Yeah. Yeah. We're in agreement. And I also read today, there's a rumor that Thomas Keller may be opening another restaurant in New York. Stay tuned. He might need some staff. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I brought that up. Yes. Yes. It was... Um, I think it was on Eater and Grub Street. It was, it was, so yeah, cool. Check that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now today, on other news in the New York Times, Alonda, which was uh, a new restaurant from 
Chris Cannon, Jeffrey Chaudhary, and the chef Chris Jackal. It got two stars today by Pete Wells, which I think is great. Have you been there? I have not been there, but I am craving that uh, Parmesan risotto that I read about. Oh, yeah. He talked about that. He also talked about the the, the uni or the sea urchin mm-hmm. pasta, um, which I didn't have. I was there. I did my, my solo dining experience, which I do on the show. I did one there. And I had a great a great time. I sat at the bar. It's interesting though. At the end of the meal, I got the soy gelato. I just they they offer it that you can just get one scoop. So I was very happy with my scoop. But in his review, that was like the one. There were two things he didn't like, and that was one thing he didn't like. So wow. I don't know, Pete and I. Picky. Pete and I did did not have the same taste, I guess, with with that flavor of gelato. <laughs> you will not be going out to dinner with Pete. Well. I would love to. I don't know if he'll ever invite me, but I would still love to. Okay, another article that recently came out, which is not the happiest news, but it was in Cranes, New York Business, and it was about Italy Wine Store. Uh, is there, well, it's, sorry, I'm trying to read the title here. Italy Wine Store to Close in Liquor License D- Dispute. So it's about how Chef Mario Batali agrees to settle charges brought by the State Liquor Authority. And they will be closing just the wine part of Italy. They'll be closing it for six months, and they need to pay a fine of a half million dollars. And from what I understand, the the Liquor Authority charged Mario Batali and his team with that they suppressed information about the wholesale and manufacturing interests of his partners. And that the law says that it prohibits licensees from owning wine stores and wine importing or manufacturing businesses. And that's what they were doing. I don't know. I don't know that much about this stuff, but I just, it was like, it's a huge fine. That's a nice chunk of change. Uh, (laughs) But indeed, if that is the case, I mean, it does, you could argue that that is a little bit of a conflict. You know, uh, when it comes to competition mm-hmm. with other other wine stores and, you know. Yeah. It's a nice little, that's a lot of dining out, half a million. Very true. I mean, Italy has been such a success. I think, you know, they keep expanding and I haven't been there recently, but every time I've gone in there, it's just, it's, it's very busy. Yeah, yeah. it's packed. Uh, so... Sorry about that news. Not good. <laughs> and one more thing on a happier note. Uh, Grub Street today uh, made note that Manhattan's getting its first Dairy Queen. I don't know. I grew up in Miami. We had our da- Dairy Queen. Dairy- Am I saying Dairy Queen or Dairy Queens? Dairy- yeah, the S. Dairy- no S. Just Dairy Queen. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be by Union Square. Blizzards for everyone. Didn't have those in Madrid, but let me <laughs> tell you. <laughs> I've heard a lot about Dairy Queen, so... And I might I might go check it out and see what all the, the huff is about. I normally don't really get excited about chain restaurants coming to New York, but I thought it was it was worth bringing up some happy news for Blizzard ice cream. It took lovers. them this long to come to New York, huh? Yeah, apparently. Hmm. This is the first one, so it's supposed to be big, two floors. Okay, great. We're gonna take one more break. We'll be right back with my solo dining experience on All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, so this week I went to a new location of Sushi Seki on West 23rd Street near 7th Avenue. Now, I've been to the original location on the Upper East Side, which is on 1st and 63rd Street, and I liked it, but I wouldn't say it was my favorite sushi restaurant. But when this new place opened, I figured I'd give it another another shot. So I went in, and I, I always feel sushi is a great thing to do solo. It's easy. You can sit at the sushi counter, interact with the chefs, watch them work. So that's what I did. And I started with green tea, which is my beverage of choice, which is always great in Japanese restaurants because they refill it constantly. So you get, you get your, a good share of your tea. And then I had the miso soup, which an old friend of mine always said was a good way to tell if a sushi place was legit. So I think it's legit. It was very good. So I was off to a good start. but And then I remembered that the fabulous Immaculate Infatuation guys, Andrew Steinthal and Chris Stang, that they were fans of Sushi Seki. So I looked up their app to see what they recommended. Now, everything they listed on their app, I did not see on the menu. So I asked the server, and she said they were all specials. And I guess you had to be in the know to know that this is what you should get. So I'm glad I checked that out, because then I went ahead and I ordered a few things they recommended, which was I got the salmon with sautéed tomato, tuna with tofu sauce, chopped unagi with avocado, and a spicy scallop tantrol. And they were awesome. So I think that's the key with, with Sushi Seki. you got to order their specials. Because also to compare, I got a piece of hamachi sashimi. And you have to get, there's a minimum order. So you have to get two pieces of sh- sashimi. And it was good. But um, it was the most expensive thing I got. And it, in my opinion, it wasn't as good as, as the specials. So I wanted to say thanks to Chris from Immaculate Infatuation. Your advice did me good. And if you want to check it out, their website is ImmaculateInfatuation.com and SushiSekiNYC.com is their website. So there's that. You been to Sushi Seki? I have not, but um, I'm a big fan of that cuisine, so I might check it out now. now check it out and tips. get the specials. Get uh, the specials. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. And the miso. And the miso. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, so... Michael, I wanted to see if you could ask a question for my guest next week. So it's going to be Stephen Olson. He is of AKA Wine Geek, a restaurant and bar, and he's a restaurant and bar consultant who has designed many innovative beverage programs and service systems for nationally acclaimed operations. So he's he's a beverage guy. Nice. Well, what should I ask him? Um, I'm curious to see his thoughts on uh, on this new trend of you know cocktail managers or gurus that create these incredible lists. You know how he feels that transition between you know from before being just a bar manager or even a beverage manager mm-hmm. to now being this cocktail rock star that a lot of restaurants are are looking for these days. They're incredibly handcrafted cocktail lists, things like that. Whereas before it was your you know your usual suspects, you know decent wine and beer list. You know, that whole part of the restaurant has been elevated now um, to the point where these people have a name and you know, restaurants are flying people around to create these cocktail lists. You know, curious how, how he feels about that. Yeah, I'll ask him. It's very, it's true because mixologists or craft cocktail specialists or 
they've become a, a huge thing that wasn't around. It's, it's definitely a thing right now. It is. We'll have to see see where it goes next. Uh, Steve's great, so I look forward to having him on next week. Okay, well, we're just about done here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, you have to tell Steve and I, I say hi. Steven was my first guest, uh, so he, he, he got through this experience. It was fun having him on, too. Nice. I will. Well, I, and I learned so much about you. I, did not, I didn't know you had a restaurant. I didn't know you were from Spain. And that's just in 45 minutes. I mean, amazing. There's more. There's more. <laughs> oh, well, great. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming out here today. So, my guest has been Stephen. Oh, sorry. My guest has been Michael Hewitt, hmm. uh, the chief recruiting officer at the Chef Agency. And their website is thechefagency.stephenkamali.com. And they're on Twitter and Instagram at the Chef Agency. Now, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at All Industry at Sherry Bayer and at Bayer PR and Heritage Radio is at Heritage underscore radio and my website is BayerPublicRelations.com so if you miss this live broadcast you can find us archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org and on Stitcher and iTunes thanks to my engineer Jack today and all of you out there listening this has been All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network and I'm Sherry Bayer please join me again next Wednesday at 4 for another live show Till then, have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.